Today we're talking about, is it possible to find salvation in Jesus Christ and also be a faithful Muslim? Uh, there might not be a more sort of controversial point when it comes to Muslims following Jesus than the concept of insider movements. And I think before we even get into the topic, we need to hear the testimony of those that say, yes, it is possible to follow Jesus and remain a Muslim. Warm greetings to you, my brothers and sisters, who have made Isa your Lord. I am a Muslim and a follower of Jesus. I know that some of you may find it strange to hear that I, a Muslim, confess Isa as my Lord and Savior. Jesus is my Savior. I know my sins and I felt my future was hopeless and without heaven. Jesus has changed all that by being the sacrifice for me. And now, since coming to Christ, my life is full of hope. I do believe in the cross, that Jesus died and rose again. After reading an article a few years ago, I have found that it doesn't lack integrity for me to remain a Muslim and believe this. Even though I have not changed religions, and I am still a Muslim, I have experienced many differences internally in my soul. The first is, I feel more submitted and obedient to God. In following Jesus, I have found meaning and purpose in every area. He has even changed the way I do business. At home each night, we read the angel together and pray. I feel that by having evening Bible studies, my children are being grounded in God's word. There is one God. He is like a father. He has created all things, and He loves those things He has created. His Spirit lives in us when we believe, and is everywhere working in the hearts of men and women. And God has spoken powerfully by His written word, and His eternal word that became Jesus. In general, Muslims are nervous or feel threatened when talking to Christians, because they are afraid of being proselytized. With me, they can ask any question, because even though they understand that I want them to accept Jesus, I'm not trying to get them to accept another religion. I consider myself to still be a Muslim. I know that all Muslims don't necessarily believe these things, but I do. And I remain firmly within my Muslim context and society. Being Muslim has a certain smell or feel to it. It's not as much about doctrine as those in the West might think. It's about staying true to your family and friends, not abandoning them for another religion that is tied in their minds to the West. So I still pray and fast and live in a community with my people all the while following Jesus. Muslims, Christians, and, and the, the zombie. zombie apocalypse. Muslims, Christians, and the zombie apocalypse. And the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> All right. Um, interesting video, Howard. What did you think? I mean, the concept, the question, is it possible for a Muslim to remain a faithful Muslim and also follow Jesus? I think with the video, um, something that kind of always stands out to me is I love talking to people with different viewpoints, you know, that actually believe in those viewpoints rather than just kind of represent those viewpoints as straw men. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you hear this guy, and I've, I have very strong feelings about insider movements and what we're going to talk about today. Um, but just hearing the testimony of these guys, I think like the beginning of the video was all about them sharing, Hey, we know Jesus. Like we, right. we don't know a fake version of Jesus like, right. or a bad theological, you know, theological Jesus. We know Jesus, but we're still choosing to be, uh, to, to, uh, to be called Muslim. Yeah. And what was fascinating, I think, is that, um, uh, you know, as opposed to my worldview or my view on insider movements, he was like, um, it's because of society and political views. Uh, we're also, mm. and you know, not being estranged, Culture. right. Estranged from their community. Um, which, you know, might be a little bit different for an American, uh, thinking like community is not that as, as important as what a Muslim might think in, in his context. But, um, that why that way they would still claim to be Muslim. It, mm-hmm. It's not really about theology or doctrine even. Um, but, right. That's what he said. Totally different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the part where, honestly, when the first time I saw that video, which was several years back, whenever he said, every night with my family, we sit and we read the gospels and we pray to Jesus. I was like, wow, <laughs> sounds like a good idea. Right. In the gospels every night with your family. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think as we approach this, we need to have a one, uh, first and foremost, a great sense of humility in this uh, issue has been probably more controversial and divisive than any other issue in reaching Muslims with the gospel. So right. uh, the point of this show is to neither condemn or to approve of insider movements, but simply to try and share exactly what's going on and so that you guys can kind of sift through the information and uh, make sense of it. Mm. So joining the conversation. Right. And uh, that's what that video actually says. Join the conversation. Yeah, so we'll put a link that. to the video. That's where I got that from. <laughs> we'll put a link to the video. And uh, the second thing I think that has to be said is one of my uh, kind of principles in life is just because God is using something doesn't necessarily mean it's supposed to be a strategy. You know what I mean? Huh. So for instance, you know, God did quite a bit through the imperialistic missional model. And, you know, there's been some very interesting research here lately, um, particularly by um, it's Robert uh, Woodbury, Dudley Woodbury, son, I can't remember his name, but he did an article on Christianity Today in his thesis looking at countries that have had uh, Christian influence, whether even if it be imperialistic through the Catholic uh, missional models um, of the past and seeing that God has used and blessed through that. And mm-hmm. so... Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that I think we should go back to an imperialistic model of missions, but we need to at least accept the fact that God uses us despite us and right. despite our, our you know failings. So I wanted to share one story at the beginning, and that was the conversion of uh, Vladimir, which was the uh, Russian sort of uh, conversion to Orthodox Christianity. So uh, he's approached by the Jews and he's approached by the Muslims, and he's approached by the uh, Western Catholicism, and he's approached by the uh, Eastern Orthodox, all kind of appealing for this guy's uh, pagan uh, land to be converted to their faith. And he's considering all these different positions, right? Is this a true story? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does it sound like I'm making it up as I go? (laughs) Well, it's like, you know, just name four groups and... No, this is... Walks into a bar and... Right. (laughs) So uh, an Orthodox priest, a rabbi. <laughs> no, this is true. And so they approach him, and he ends up converting to um, Orthodox Christianity, as you would know today. Um, but the reason for it is the, the Orthodox missionaries, when they came, they had a reason as to why their faith was superior to all the other faiths. Huh. 
meaning and a couple of them were very interesting for instance uh, when they talked about the Catholic the Western Church they said they take uh, communion by wafer we prefer bread you know bread and for this you know Russian this was very important right um, when it like bread yeah that's a good point um, Even gluten-free people like bread. They just can't they eat They do. <laughs> they miss bread. But what was interesting is what he said about the Muslims. Huh. And it said they moisten their excrement and pour water into their mouths and anoint their beards with it, remembering Muhammad. The women also perform the same abomination and even worse ones. Wait, wait, can you explain what you just said? So this is a early church polemic against Islam. They're basically telling this story about a Muslim ablution to moisten excrement and then take the water that has gone through there and then clean their beards. And so he's talking about wadu and he just adds this other part about excrement, which is nowhere in Islam. Islam is actually incredibly hygienic. But it was a model of polemics to convert this leader of the Russian world at that point in time, the Rus Empire. And God, you know, in some ways used it, right? I mean, otherwise who knows he might have turned to islam his actual response was one this hygienic practice was something they were he was not interested in and two they weren't allowed to drink alcohol and three the idea of circumcision had no appeal to him so <laughs> circ- oh and pork was on there as well so circumcision pork uh right. the forcing to perform ablutions with water from excrement and so anyway he converts to orthodox christianity but i think it's interesting because you can even look back and see how despite the integrity of the person speaking about another faith god used it and so yeah i feel like you have to say at the outset god uses all sorts of things both in scripture and in real life but it doesn't mean that you have to take them on as practices for modern missions movements today for instance god spoke through a donkey but i'm not about to go start raising donkeys in hopes that he'll do it again right one of them's going to talk to us right right or lying to people about other faiths (laughs) being deceptive about other faiths right good point anywho i just thought that was a fun piece of fun fact of history All right, so this show wouldn't be possible without sponsors. And at this point in the show is where if you want to partner with us, we would put your ad. So if you want to be a part of the show, you, you want like, to partner with us. You like what we're doing. You want to be on our team, what have you. Bring this show to the world. Then email us and let us know. Anywho, I just thought that was a fun piece of fun fact of history. But we got to get to insider movements. Insider movements. And that's what they're called. For those of you that aren't familiar with the terminology, um, an insider movement would be a, a movement of Muslims who retain a Muslim identity yet follow Christ. Right. And this all kind of comes about with uh, a guy named John Travis. We'll link some of his articles who was a missionary in Indonesia. He came up with a scale called the C scale which was a scale where he would observe uh, Christ-centered communities in Indonesia. It's since become known as the contextualization scale, but the original you know, purpose was he just noticed that there were certain types of communities of believers in Indonesia that were Muslims uh, that were now following Christ. And so he huh. made a scale from a C1 all the way to a C6. So he was seeing these things in action. 
Right. Oh, but and, so it wasn't, and classifying it wasn't them, classifying. It, it wasn't something that he had done. No, I think that's okay. where it gets really funny. Is people are like, "So where are you on the C scale?" As though it's a strategy. Right. That's what and I was. That's not the as. intention. It's really just sort of a classification table of what he was noticing. Right. But it is propagated by Muslims. I mean, not Muslims, missionaries or the people that oh, are leading sure. Muslims to the Lord. Right. They'll, you know, because I'm sure the Muslim would ask, "What can? When am I allowed? To, do I need to leave?" Yeah, they're going to bring up those questions. Right. Okay. So if you look at it from C1 to 6, what you have is C1 is Muslim background believers. They're uh, meeting in churches that are radically different from their own culture, meaning the worship and everything is in another language. The dress is not local at all. Uh, the reading of scriptures in another language. And so I just want you to imagine maybe a Catholic church or a Dutch Reformed church. Um, very high church, high ecclesiology, and but no you're, contextualization. You're not saying that it's a different language, as in like it's. it's you're saying it's not Arabic, but it would mm. be their it would be their own language. No, right? no, 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 not local tongue. No, what? I'm I'm talking like like Latin. Latin. Right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah. So not not in the local language, and so it could be done in English. It could be maybe they're using the Book of Common Prayer in English, and there's no local translation, and so it's not in their common tongue. C two is the same as C1, except the worship is in the local tongue. Hmm. Okay, so forms are all going to be the same, probably pretty foreign, um, bread and wine, communion and kneelers and pews, hmm. and nothing real local about it, but the language will at least be in the local language, and that would be a C2 church. But these are MBBs, so Muslim background believers, so wouldn't they have a hard time with the wine? Um, I, I don't know. Hmm. I would think. Yeah. I wonder if they do the grape juice thing like Americans. Like no, no, I wouldn't. Americans. I wouldn't think that a C one or a C two would. Um, that I mean, that's a whole other debate and contextualization whether or not the sacraments and the forms can be changed, or if they need to be bread and they need to be wine, or can they be changed to grape juice or right a tortilla, tortilla chip, whatever. Right. Or like in northern India, the coconut. I will, yeah, I will say. Remember northern India? They took the coconut. Do you remember right. that? Yep. They would take a coconut and they would crack it over this rock and they would say this is the body of christ being broken for you and boom they would right. crack this coconut and then they would take the coconut milk and they would pour it out and they would say this is the blood of christ being poured out for you and it was just like whoa that's, that's a so neat cool communion. right yeah. and then the flesh of the coconut is yeah the meat. yeah the, the flesh and the body of christ yeah that would be a no-no in a in a you know high ecclesiology you know old school traditional church you right. can't change the form c1 or c2 mm-hmm. okay so a c3 um church would be more culturally indigenous in that you know they would take uh local forms unless they were seen as islamic so for instance there wouldn't be any prostration and prayer because that would be too in line with the islamic forms of prayer um, like prayer rugs prayer rugs anything what about like direction that. towards jerusalem or yeah, I don't think they would even emphasize the direction because they would see that as Islamic too, too. Too Islamic. Yeah, think about this in the context of the podcast we did a few weeks ago about the pillars and uh-huh. realize that a lot of the things that are determined as Islamic are probably pre-Islamic and were taken from Christianity. Yeah, But right. they were seen as Islamic, and so they wouldn't do those things. Because they owned it as their identity. Right, and even maybe even some dress or even some you know beards, things that would huh. appear as Islamic you know, would probably be discouraged. I'm just imagining a man who had a beard all his life becomes a Christian and then shaves. Well, I don't think they would make him shave his beard, but I think they would probably 
um, not encourage people to have them in that sense. They would, if it was seen as Islamic, which a beard probably would be. Well, you remember uh, in Maldives, uh, we would see the normal Maldivian Muslims, right, uh, totally beardless, right, mm-hmm. and then you'd see the guy you knew that was extreme, oh, yeah, the more conservative guy, right, yeah. and the way he would dress and the way his beard was, and it was like he was a normal guy, except he would, he would have the long beard and you know formal dress, and you'd be like, wow, it wasn't like he was super old. He was just a young guy and still have that full beard and you knew he was different. Right. Huh. And so in that in that C3 sense, they'll take on indigenous forms as long as they're not seen in as Islamic form. Now, C4, if you were to think about, say, 40 years ago, Phil Parshall was working in uh, Bangladesh and he had written a book called Bridges and Phil Parshall was implementing a C4 strategy of church planning among the people of Bangladesh. Now, what that meant was they took on a very much uh, Muslim appearance. All the men grew beards. They wore lo- local clothes. They um, practiced and even developed the church to seem very Muslim and sort of look and feel. They sat with men on one side, women on on another. Um, they, um, during the service, would have liturgy, almost like the Lord's Prayer, and they would do it in a similar way that the Muslims would do it. And so they would have a lot of sort of forms that looked very Muslim. The look and the feel was very Muslim, but I think some people would argue that actually it was very Christian too, because the same look and same feel is, is in Christianity as well. But that was C4, and so they would prostrate in prayer. Um, and then they would make sure that everything had biblical meaning. And so the important differentiation between C4 and C5 is they wouldn't necessarily call themselves Christian, but they would call themselves Muslim followers of Jesus or just followers of Jesus, something other than Christian. But they wouldn't identify themselves as Muslim only. It would be followers of Christ or followers of Isa al-Masih, Jesus the Messiah in the Muslim term. So that would be a C4 movement. Now, 40 years ago, I think people were ready to, you know, declare Phil Parshall as a heretic for his uh, suggestions and contextualization in this, what would be now considered a C4 model. But now right. we look at that as sort of the norm. Well, I just think about like Hudson Taylor in China when he would, uh, you know, wear Black the, devil. Yeah, and wear the, the hair uh, and then the Chinese dress and the, the missionaries just thought it was... Well, yeah, because they were totally calling wrong. they were calling the priest black devils because right. of the way they dressed. Mm-hmm. So he did his hair a certain way. Yeah, and the people thought he was weird too. Right, but but it changed everything from that point on for missions. And then C five. Now this is where it gets controversial. Okay, this is where sort of the the split happens. Granted, some people are are not even okay with C four. Um, some people are maybe not even okay with C3. I think everybody's <laughs> kind of okay with C3. C4 makes people uncomfortable, but everybody's okay with it because they can't really say how it's wrong biblically. Uh-huh. C5 is the dividing line. And that's Muslims who follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. Um, they have sort of fellowships that they meet in that are secretive or only with other believers, but they continue to identify both culturally and officially as Muslim. That was the testimony of the two people that we heard at the beginning of the show, is they are, for all intents and purposes, Muslims, but they also have accepted and followed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Uh, but I think in the video, what was confusing to me is that it sounded like it wasn't secret that they were followers of Isa. Well, it's not completely secret. They do have their own meetings with other people, and we'll we'll talk in just a second about the difference between that and a C6. C6 is a secret believer. Nobody knows they're 
uh-huh. nobody knows they're following Christ. They've just accepted Jesus in their heart, and that's that's it. And that might be in, in a place where they would actually get killed if they found if people found that they were converting. That's what a lot could of be. Yeah, do, right? a lot of people would stay there. Huh. Now, here's an interesting little anecdote. I was meeting, uh, I was sitting next to Don McCurry. This is probably seven years ago in uh, a conference, and uh, I looked over at him. I said, "So, where are you, uh, Dr. McCurry, on the C scale stuff?" And he goes, "Well, I'm all over it." <laughs> I'm all over it. <laughs> and he and he said, most most people that come to know Jesus come to know Jesus secretly. You know, not even just talking about Muslims, right. and then talking about the the scale is much more of a spectrum. Uh-huh. And I thought, well, that's an interesting thought, and I hadn't thought about it, but that was actually my own experience when I came to know Christ. I didn't tell anybody because I was I didn't know what to think. Right, because you were just trying to figure out what yeah. that even meant. Right, and right. and then I think I was probably a C five believer. It didn't really affect much of my life outside of the fact that I now identified with Christ, and then along the ways I've taken on more and more uh, Christian identity. Right, but there in the beginning, I, I mean, if somebody huh. had said, "Are you a Christian?" I don't even think I would have answered yes because I wouldn't have known what that meant. Right, that's actually, I didn't grow up in a Christian. That's actually home. a really good way to think about it because as you drop the the old world, not old world, but the, the old way of uh, uh, of your life, those are like the identifiers that identified you to your old identity. Mm-hmm. You start to identify a brand new, yeah, identity in Christ. So that's what it's come hmm. down to now, Howard. As everybody's talking about, this is really an issue of identity, and so C one through uh, three. Both the Muslim background believer and the Muslim community would say, that guy's a Christian, and the guy would say, I'm a Christian. In C4, they would say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but the Muslim community would say, he's some kind of Christian, but different. Right, and would they be more accepting of that guy? More so than if somebody said, I'm a Christian. Because he looks and acts like a Muslim, even right. though they know he's a Christian. Right, but he says he's a follower of Jesus, and what does that mean? And they right. use a lot of sort of terms that would be Quranic and say right. that, you know, a Muslim is one who submits to God, and there's something there in the Quran that talks about uh, submitting to Jesus. Um, so they would, you know, use that terminology. Now the C5, the Muslim background believer, would identify themselves as a Muslim, and the Muslim community would identify them as a strange Muslim, yeah, but still Muslim, right? And so this all brings into the, and of course C six, nobody knows they're Christian, so it's he identifies himself right. as Muslim. It has nothing to do with the community, right? Right. So there's the that's the main issue um, that goes with the the insider movements as you have issues with how compatible are these two faiths? Can somebody retain their Muslim identity and follow Jesus? That's the question. Can I ask a question really quick? Oh sure, yeah. So something I've been thinking about in terms of contextualization is that we do contextualization as missionaries because we want to find common ground in which we can share the gospel more effectively, correct? Like, mm-hmm. like Paul and, you know, the, the, that church in... Acts uh, 17. Yeah. Right, uh-huh. The, the, uh, he, I know that you're religious, you know, because you have an altar to an unknown God even, right? And so I would look at C4 as something that's akin to the way we do church in America. The seeker-friendly church? Well, not just the seeker-friendly church. I mean, there's a lot of things that we do at church in America that aren't biblical. Right. You like know, we, we have flags on each side of the altar in a lot of churches. Oh, right, political flags. And right. and, and look at uh, um, music. How yeah, it, it the really, way we do music. Right, it's it's almost like no, no separation. Smoke machine. Right, right, <laughs> like the stage lights. And, you know, I see that there's, you know, God uses those things too, like we were talking about. But at the same time, it's kind of like, 
we condemn these things because it's not in our culture. Maybe we can see them in a different light, but in our own culture, we're kind of blinded to it. Well, that's the thing. When contextualization is done well, it feels quite natural for the people in it. But when the people come from the outside, they look at it and say, this feels different. Do you remember, I remember, uh, I think it was Brian Hogan, who was an early mentor in in my YWAM days. He said, uh, if you plan a church and you're comfortable in it, you probably did something wrong. Right. And a good example would be Howard and I have traveled to a lot of different countries and seen a lot of different churches together. I mean, we even, at one point in time, we were working in Peru. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, this church looks nothing like a Peruvian church should, or Nicaragua was it that we were at? I don't both. remember. We went both. to both, right? Yeah, and it all depends on the missionary. You know, the missionary may plant a church that looks exactly like the church they came from because that's all they know, and right. that would be a very much a C2 or a C1 even church. They might even have English songs, and so you have, right. you know, I, you know, we've been to Korean churches yeah. that will have English songs. That all they the songs sing. are in English that are, or translated from English songs. They don't write their own music. And sometimes the translation doesn't even go well. It's a right. terrible oh, song. Oh, yeah. Terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Howard's a worship leader, so, you know. But uh, this concept of identity is really the... Uh, is really the issue when it comes down to insider movements. And so the whole concept as well is a true insider movement would have started from the inside, not be externally imposed on people. Meaning if Howard and I decided, hey, we're going to go over, we're going to claim that we're true followers of being, or we're true Muslims, and we're going to embed ourselves into the Muslim community, use the Quran. Uh, use the forms and all the while get these people to understand that Jesus is ultimately more than just uh, a prophet of Allah. He's actually the son of God. He is God himself in the Trinity and following Jesus. That would be really an inside out movement. That would be an outside in movement. Right. As opposed to just a Muslim who's reading the Quran and discovers. Remember David Garrison was talking about Muslims. Some of them are reading the Quran and discovering for themselves that there's something in the Quran that upholds Jesus as more than a prophet. Yeah. So that would be a classic insider movement. There was no outside influence. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 